you're working with Taylor now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. It's like everyone's yeah. dream job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was strange. Okay, so <laughs> Welcome to the Welcome to the Laravel IO podcast. My name is Sean McCool. I'm here with Taylor Otwell, Jesse O'Brien, and Chris Fidal. I'm pretty sure I said that right. I'm pretty sure I asked yeah. you the same thing last time you were on, too. No, you might be the first person to pronounce that right. Awesome. All right. So, uh, first of all, let's just kind of see how what everybody's up to. Um, Taylor, are you, uh, you doing good? You got anything interesting in the pipeline? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, right now I'm on a big, like, issue pull request closing binge that I go through, like, once a month. Um, since it's, uh, what we call Bizarro Week at Userscape, where I kind of work on some open source stuff and some Userscape stuff, but, uh, it's usually an opportunity to close a lot of Laravel issues and fix a lot of things, so that's what I'm up to right now. Does that put you in, like, a weird mental space? Because I know sometimes when I go and, and do a bunch of administration for a while, I, I, my mind just like zeroes in in, in strange places. Like, no. yeah, I just get kind of zoned in and focus on it. And uh, usually, I can close quite a few, but yeah, it's a little tedious sometimes. Well, cool, um, Chris. We have had you uh, on the podcast once before when you wrote your book, I believe. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's right. A little before it came out. Awesome. Well, well glad to have you back. Uh, you work on anything new? So, uh, well, I'm working at Userscape. I think I'm working on my third week there, so that's awesome so far. Nice. Yeah. Um, what else? So I have two kind of side projects going on right now. One is Vaporbash, which is just a bunch of Bash scripts that I put together for Vagrant, and which is really cool. Some people have really latched onto it, so I've been getting a ton of uh, pull requests for it. And just kind of keep adding on bash script after bash script. So you can install like Apache or Nginx or even HHVM and all sorts of stuff like that. So a bunch of provisioning scripts with, uh, with bash. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Um, and some are really cool. Some people have put on like search, um, like elastic search and all sorts of stuff. It's cool. So do you, um, do you prefer bash scripting over something like Chef or Puppet or Ansible? I haven't, I've sort of learned Chef. And it was a real pain. Like the the crust to get through to learn and figure out what you're doing is just, you know there's a lot to go through. So um, that and puppet. So I've I've done bash scripts just because I figured out how to install all this stuff before, and I've always been using Ubuntu. Yeah, um, I was gonna so say I, if you're not using Ubuntu or if you're not using a single distro, the bash scripts kind of become invalidated, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, and that's not really my use case. I'm almost always on Ubuntu, so I just made these bash scripts. They're all specific to Ubuntu, and even within that, um, 12.04, the long-term release. Um, and it's been working great. And, you know, a lot of people do the same thing, because you just have the same vagrant box in your computer and just keep yeah. reusing the same one. Yeah, that makes sense. Jesse, um, you haven't been on the podcast before, but you're a, a really long-time community member. Do you want to just say a few things and introduce yourself? Yeah, Jesse O'Brien. Uh, I'm from the Great White North of Canada. Um, obviously, I'm pretty active in IRC more than anywhere else. Uh, I was on the forums for a while, sort of combating spam and stuff like that. But 
I actually forgot they existed until someone mentioned them like a couple days ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, what's up with me? I'm kind of in a whirlwind right now. I've switched jobs twice in the last four months or so. Um, one was uh, I went into sort of an adventure in .NET land, uh, C Sharp, which I, it was interesting for the time, but uh, decided I didn't really want to be there and got back into Laravel with uh, a new gig where I'm at now, which is really cool. Uh, the people here are really awesome, so pretty excited about that. Now, do you guys use, like, Vagrant, any kind of configuration, Taylor or Jesse, any of that stuff? I I do run a VM. I don't use Vagrant. Uh, I have my own kind of bash script I've customized that provisions it out, but... I mean, I never run it because I just leave the VM configured all the time, and it's just kind of always running, so I never actually have to rerun that script. But it's up on GitHub under uh, Taylor Otwell slash VirtualBox. Now, what uh, Taylor, what's your goal in using the virtual machine? Well, I use it to host every project. So, like, I have Snappy on there. I have Laravel stuff on there. I have other side projects on there. So, like... It's just convenient for me to just always have it running and to host all my projects. And, like, if I want to host a new app, I just shell into the VM and do serve food.app and the path to the application, and it, it serves it up. So it's pretty quick, and uh, I don't know. It works pretty well for me. I think the the single-user uh, use case for that is pretty good, but, like, we're looking at – I'm looking at actually specifically setting up Vagrant here um, for the team that we have uh, because we're just sort of, like – passing around a virtual machine that's hosted on a shared folder you know people have to clone it down and we're finding a lot of conflicts with that so um uh, from what i've used uh vagrant it's really really nice to solve some of like the mac address rotating issues with the networks and stuff like that so yeah i think it's really good in the team when you have a bunch of people who need like a, a consistent environment yeah so chris uh you have this new project it's called servers for developers Servers for Hackers. Servers it actually hackers. was called Servers for Programmers, so I might even call it the wrong thing by accident. Um, but it's that. It's a newsletter. Um, but I haven't really liked past newsletters before. Um, so I've signed up for, like, Postgre Weekly, Python Weekly, that kind of stuff. I never read them. They're just, like, this list of links. And I'm sure there's a lot of great resources, but it's kind of, like, too much to go through. Um, so I, I have this format idea where I want to have like one or two topics per newsletter and, um, the content is actually going to end up living on the website for the project and the newsletters are just like a really quick summary and like a click here to learn about this one thing. That sounds pretty cool. I find most of the time those, those lists I subscribe to just sit in my email for months on end as unread and just kind of hang out, so. Yeah, I think that uh, having server resources or, or learning about systems administration and stuff is kind of a big deal for developers. So it's a, a big hurdle for a lot of people. And like, I d I dug into Chef and I found it pretty pretty nice because it's you know Ruby and it gave me like an interesting thing to play with. But I don't know that I've ever really had a use case where using Chef over like Bash provisioning would have been advantageous. So I'm I'm just not sure if if you know my investment was you know really good or not. But like the the thing is, I always wanted to work towards a system where I could eventually just pro, pro, where I eventually could just provision uh, remote systems and just bring them up. And you know if they were going to be Debian or whatever, then that would be okay. 
So I'm I'm still trying to move towards that. I don't have a use case for it, but if it pops up, I guess I'll be a little bit closer than I would have been otherwise, maybe. Yeah, I think I think Ansible is really popping up in that space right now. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different tools you can use there. Um, I think Dale's been using um, Ansible at his job, and uh, he showed me some of the scripts and stuff that he's done. And um, we're sort of getting to the point at this new place um, where we're going to need to. Uh, you know, shard out some of the, the web server and, and the database server and stuff like that soon. So I'm probably going to dig in a little there um, and see where I can get with Ansible because it looks pretty nice. Is, is there like a hosted component with that or something like that? It seems like I just did, did a brief one over and it seems like maybe they host something or another. Uh, I'm not fully sure. I think, t- Taylor, have you used it at all or have you been? No, there? I've just used the Ansible play. I've used Ansible playbooks, but it's not like a hosted thing. It was just, I mean, it's similar to any other provisioning stuff, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so like, like maybe chef client as a, or chef solo or something as opposed to hosted yeah. chef. I think Ansible yeah. does, they have, they offer like a free, I think it's called VMX or something with an X in it anyways. Um, that allows you to sort of maybe get towards push button hosting. Um, I'm not sure, but that's that would be after you obviously have to set up uh, your playbooks and, and all your configs and stuff. So. All right, cool. Oh, I'm exhausted. It's like eight o'clock here at night. <laughs> it's like what, one o'clock for you guys, something like that. Yeah, two. Yeah, one <sighs> Yeah, I uh, I'm at this point with this massive CMS I built. Where we're just kind of taking it to, to like the next level. Then, and to me, it's a little bit crazy because I don't usually like making apps that are this complicated. But it's also kind of fun. What kind of stuff you Well, I always tend to avoid making, you know, allowing users to create their own pages and and lay out their own stuff and everything like that. So I'm always really kind of pushing back to find a, a middle ground where you know they can have good setup. But also not, you know, not have to be designers themselves in order to make a f- decent app. Cause, you know, you, you put the design into the hands of somebody who's not a designer and it drives down, I guess, the overall quality of the app and, you know, dilutes the message cause you'll get like a jillion calls to action and stuff and it, it's kind of whatever. But so you're always trying to control, give them what they're asking for, but kind of control it so that you can make sure that the work you did on content strategy and stuff isn't compromised. But it, it's just, honestly, to me, it's the the fun thing about this kind of stuff is working with the different teams involved. So there's like three different companies involved and trying to compromise and find something that works for everybody, keep everything in a really good uh, you know, ev- keep everybody happy and and happy to be working together and that kind of thing. I, I'm really into that that sort of team aspect. Rambling. Is there like any software oh, you use for you. any of that? Or? Software? No, I I don't know what you're talking about. As far as project management, um, we directly interact with one group and they directly interact with the other. So um, okay. our client has the other party as their client, but they manage their whole account and then uh, we just handle the application itself okay so it's like a, a massive uh, a massive company like just huge and you know when they want something they want it and you know it's always fun to say okay well let's push back a little bit but then there, there becomes a time when there's no room they, they just like say no this now and you're like okay let's do it <laughs> yeah, yeah so um you guys want to check out some of these sweet questions that we got 
I'm ready. <laughs> Give them to me. Let's do it. All right, first I want to ask my own question. I hope, Taylor, I hope that we're still friends after this. Okay. Um, so what do you guys think about the whole thing where people are kind of coming down on Laravel for, you know, using facades and, and things like this? It seems like all of a sudden lately, and I, I just want to address this publicly just one time, uh, whereas, you know, we've talked about this a lot in IRC, and, and it's been on Twitter and everything, but uh, it seems like all of a sudden there's a lot of attention to Laravel, and a lot of people are saying, hey, look, um, what's going on here? These facades, they're like they're actually service locator, and, and, and that's a known problem and all these things. Um, I have a, a little bit of my own opinion on this, but I, I think I'm more interested in what you guys have to say, and maybe like Jesse or Chris, you guys might start and kind of give a... Um. Uh, I think it's just sort of a little, a little bit to do with the popularity and, and you know, Laravel's really picking up steam uh, with the 4.0 release. Uh, you know, it went from I don't know, like 70 users in IRC to now, you know, well over three, four hundred now. Um, and I mean, it's sort of all over the web now. You look uh, in a lot of different communities and stuff like that. It's popping up. So I think uh, it's sort of the mo money, mo problems type thing, right? <laughs> Where <laughs> Ian's going to be so proud. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I mean, it's the more users we get, I mean, the more haters you're gonna have that are gonna sort of crawl out of the woodwork and not like something or other. But uh, it's not just know. haters, though, right? It's not. It's, it's not, not true. Just uh, a thing where people are, are being unreasonable. I think there's like there's philosophies at conflict. Yeah, yeah. there's valid critiques. You have all these sure. classes of programmers in the PHP land, like the the people just getting started. The people who have been using frameworks for, you know, a little while. And then we have people whose career has been built around, um, you know, like maintaining old projects where the code architecture matters so much. And then you're learning stuff like domain driven design and, you know, CQRS and, you know, kind of all these high minded abstractions in your code. And then, you know, you really get this conflict because you have these people who want to have an easy, really nice framework. And then you have these people who are kind of trying to, you know, do the no framework thing and all that kind of stuff. And it's all like based on their experience and, you know, the kind of stuff that they grew up with as a programmer, so to speak. So then you have all these conflicts and people just kind of like don't really see at each other's point of view, you know? You know what, what do you think, Taylor? Do you think there's like like one right view or, or less that that's kind of an easy question to answer. Do you think there are, there's a core set of ideas that are kind of like the one right core set of ideas. And then from there, the, the paradigms can shift or how, how do you perceive it? Um, I don't know about that. Just like with the facades, I, I get the criticism. Like I understand where they're coming from in that it is just service location. Um, but I think now it's becoming more irrelevant that now that you don't even have to use the facades in any core class is totally injectable now just by type pinning it. So that whole thing is going to become somewhat irrelevant, except for the fact that I think they're like there's been a lot of talk about like it's dang, quote dangerous to like show the facades to new developers because they might like get in the habit of using static classes everywhere and stuff. But. I don't know, like, I've never really been the one to do, like, what I call babysitter features, and, like, I just try to make the code easy to use, and as long as things are still testable and you can do things right, like, I don't tend to worry about it, but um, people seem to like them, and I don't know, no one's lost any limbs over it as far as I know, so I'm pretty happy <laughs> about it, I guess. 
in my experience, the, like day to day on building building applications, if I can fire up a Laravel app and then I have the distinction between uh, really kind of what I think of as like the web parts of my application, which is the controllers, yeah. the routes file, the views. Yeah. I think of those separately, I, and and I don't mind because those those things are kind of, I mean, those things are kind of t- tightly coupled to your framework or your libraries anyway, yeah. and it yeah. kind of feels like what are we doing? Are we, are should we be decoupling as much as possible the framework which is there to kind of support us, even though we have to be tied into it at these segments of the application, or do yeah. we just utilize the fact that we're already coupled in to to make those parts more uh i don't know how to say it's not necessarily even easier it's just a different kind of thing yeah i don't know it's like i feel like this whole conversation i don't know it's a little different in php than it is in other things i think like i i don't see a lot of people saying like we should decouple our application totally from rails so that if we switch away from rails it will be easier like i don't know it just seems like such a weird conversation and usually you're not switching away almost ever but i do i do get your point about like the web layer is is just like this transport layer and your routes and controllers are kind of like this whole separate domain then it's like an interface into your app i mean it's like the cord into the real app that's plugged into the real app it's just transferring things in and out and like the real stuff's happening in the app so it is a kind of a different thing but still i do i do kind of agree with you that it could be a little silly to like constantly be playing this game of keeping yourself totally decoupled from the tool that's trying to make your life so much easier. Like I, I've written a number of apps uh, starting out and doing all the normal, what I, what I consider like the Laravel style approach for my controllers. So yeah. I'm doing like return response, colon, colon, redirect and that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. eventually like as I'm adding complexity, I find that I need to abstract certain aspects of this system. So I will, um, no longer use the facades. I'll instead use my own uh, code that will return response objects, etc. And I just kind of migrate yeah. as necessary um, when yeah. I need that that the new abstraction, I guess. Yeah, I think that makes think sense. That's that's something that has to sort of be discovered, though, on your on your path through Laravel, right? I mean, from the outside looking in, if you haven't used your Laravel for a long time, then that path might not be super obvious and. That might yeah. be sort of where people are coming from, that, oh, well, it's just facades and that's all you use. Um, you know, that's not quite exactly the whole thing. So, Yeah, I feel like a lot of the criticism, too, is coming from people who don't, they don't use Laravel. Like, they've never used Laravel to build anything. So it's it's tough to, like, I can understand if you're reading the documentation and you're, like, you're you're super concerned about like pure architecture and you see all these double colons and you're like red flags start going off in your head and like this is total crap why is it so popular i have to warn everybody how this is total crap and yeah. but i think i think if you like i think if you dive into it and actually try to use it and write tests and see what you can do with it i think they would be surprised at um how different it might be than what they expect yeah i've heard people talk about how um yeah well facades are testable and then somebody else will bring up the fact that, well, the fact that the, the facades are testable is, was never the problem. It was always yeah. that, you know, you have static access. So you can't just exchange, uh, you know, one cl- uh, object for another, et cetera, yeah. um, which, you know, I, I totally get. But I just I don't really well, feel can. like. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I mean, you really can. But um, I don't feel like you need to, uh, you know, 
use facades all the way deep into your domain, etc., where which is where you know you want to have be able to throw strategies around, etc. Yeah. So what the main facades I find myself using outside of controllers, like deeper into the code, is stuff like one the queue, two um, string the validator type stuff. Yeah, string validator queue. Um, I use mean, the collection not, a little bit too. Yeah, collection. Wait, wait, collection that's facade? Not really, what? That's not really a facade, though, right? That's just like yeah, true. Sure, that's not really a facade. Yeah, yeah, but even like validator, I I just extend of the validator as a class and pass that as an object. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. usually how I do it too. You can inject like the validation factory either way. Yeah, outside, but I only use like a few facades like deeper into the core. I would say. And most of the other ones are like more HTTP stuff, like input, uh, redirect, response. Exactly, session. the kind of stuff you're using in your controllers. And yeah, they're really lumped together in those controllers a lot. Chris, you mentioned DDD. Yeah, that's so, a thing. Yeah, it, it, it is it because like I'm, <laughs> no matter how much I, I search into it, I just never really can find the tangible thing that it's supposed to be. Uh, I've um, I've gone to books. And the books are confusing, or or very least, you know, they make sense when you're reading it. But if you sit down to code, I like I sit in front of my keyboard and I'm just like, what? <laughs> I don't know where to start. Yeah, um, I have this this like fundamental conflict with how I love to code in Laravel and how these principles are all like not um, like they don't work with Eloquent very easily. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so much about, um, like, a lot of our apps are data-centric, and a lot of them are CRUD, and Eloquent is easy and makes sense and builds up your relationships and everything like that. And then if you dig into, like, this domain-driven design thing, you're supposed to have this core domain that are just kind of, like, pure PHP objects and that kind of thing. Um, lots of objects. Well, I, I think uh, that ORM is used, for example, as CQRS. It's just it's on the it's on the right side, right? And yeah. the, 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 and the then, view side is, tends to be just like straight SQL or something. Right. And so the the thing there is like you you can use Eloquent, but then you kind of have to map your Eloquent objects to um, your your domain objects, which is doable. It's just kind of like an extra step of processing. Um, and then there's some stuff. I think Doctrine has a they still call it an ORM, but it's, I forget the name for it, but you can kind of use annotations and hook in a pure PHP object to, you know, database columns and that kind of stuff, which is kind of neat. So what's the distinguishing factor between domain-driven development and just using a repository pattern or something like that? So, I mean, a repository pattern is this uh, design pattern, and the design pattern is kind of like, um, you know, how you accomplish a goal inside of code. But uh, domain-driven design is kind of like, um, I would get Paris to test-driven development, but it's kind of like a coding and project management methodology. Uh, methodology. Methodology, uh, okay. Yeah, so like like you have this, like the proponents of it talk about the ubiquitous language, which is like... Right, it's like the, the core tenant of DDD is like the ubiquitous language. It's right where you're... And correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I just ordered a book, and I've been watching a bunch of screencasts, and this very little has sunk in so far. So I think the person who can make DDD really clear to understand is going to be rich, if they know what they're doing. <laughs> but um, 
Get yeah. that ebook money. <laughs> My idea about <laughs> ubiquitous uh, ubiquitous languages, right? So that your the people who are masters of the domain, like the accounting department and the accounting or, or this other department, they have certain vocabulary and they perceive the problems in their own way. And DDD in in my limited understanding, I'm going to sound like an idiot when like thousands of people listen to this podcast, but um, it's where the domain reflects the experts, the vocabulary and um, the thinking of those those groups who are involved with those aspects of the business. Chris, tell me how wrong I am. Yeah, no, that's right. And then that floats down to how you name your classes and your objects and your variables and all that stuff. Like that's ubiquitous because it's in your conversation it's in your project management and it's in your code. Okay. Um, so it's really like a whole way to manage a project and run it. Um, and then within that, there's architecture styles, um, like hexagonal architecture. I'm never going to pronounce that right, but, <laughs> um, you know, and that's like have your, your core domain code in the middle and then add on your service layer. And on top of that, you have outside layers of views and database access and, um, you know, maybe like an API that talks to your app or, you know, whatever. Um, so it's, it's this whole thing. It's this huge topic. It seems interesting. We sort of had that, I guess, I mean, we didn't call it uh, domain driven design, but we had that with, uh, when I worked in healthcare with physicians, um, because the, the, most of the problems were basically around that, um, where we couldn't get a single ubiquitous language that we could talk to each other in. Um, because I mean, they're, they're in the medical world all the time and we're trying to sort of translate back and forth and, stuff like that. So um, I can't remember what the research was called into that stuff, but there was some interesting software that was coming out um, that was sort of XML-based that would allow physicians to sort of try to express themselves um, into, like, a structured language about, um, like, patient encounters and things like that um, that was trying to break it down into a a more data-driven way of thinking about things. Is that like user stories for physicians? Similar, yeah. Um, kind of. It was, it was more based around, uh, you know, like, it was more based around actions. Um, so, you know, uh, visit, saw a patient at X time, uh, discussed X, um, you know, recommended Y, uh, et cetera, et cetera, so that we could do more, um, like analysis on data points throughout, look, sort of a, a temporal period in time where, uh, the patient was in and being seen. So. Oh, I see. So you're trying to derive metrics from the interactions that would be like a black box otherwise. Yeah, exactly. And then a lot of that is just, you know, your physician writes down chicken scratch notes and, and things like that, and it's always different. So there's but there's huge potential for big research to come into that, but, you know, nobody's got the budget or the time or anything right now. So yeah, I think I think the thing that, that really interests me about all this is CQRS, and um, how the application's built with it. Um, every time I kind of dip into it a little bit, it, it kind of teaches me a little bit of something that I can use in my own applications, which tells me that I need to keep pursuing this and, and keep focusing on this, even though I haven't found any really good resources. Actually, Ross Tuck, who gave the talk on HTTP and your angry dog, just various HTTP protocol things at Laracon EU, uh, he created a talk that's all about this this stuff here, and I just read through the slides over and over again like four times so far. Like there's like 280 slides, and he yeah. says at the beginning, you know, there's like 14 slides a minute or something like that. But wow. he, he's just like he's one of the best presenters I've ever seen, and hopefully yeah, he's really uh, good. 
Yeah, hopefully. Does he have a video version of that talk anywhere? I tell you, if if I had it, I'd be all over that thing. But yeah, I don't think it's out yet. Yeah, it's been a Lux, and it'll be out before too long. So definitely keep your eyes open. Okay, yeah, that was like two or three days ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I got the tweet the tweet with his slides, and I'm like, what what did he talk about this time? And I'm like, this is awesome. I just keep slides are great. Amazing. He's he's so good. Uh, speaking of Laracon, Laracon in the United States and New York City is coming up pretty soon. Yeah, it is coming up. I'm pumped. So Do you have any new info? Hmm, let's see. New info. It's going to be life-changing. Life-changing? <laughs> for should definitely come. For whom? Everyone involved. Anyone okay. that's there. Um, no, the tickets are selling pretty pretty well. Uh, I think we're already up to about 100 people, uh, which is the size of Laracon US the first time around. So we've already kind of exceeded that. And so, yeah, hopefully um, we'll have the full site up here in the next week or so, I would think. And that will have all the speakers and it will also have hotel discount information and travel stuff. So a little bit more information is coming pretty soon. Uh, I don't think I have any other like really new info on that, but it's going to be sweet. Um, I'm definitely excited about the things people are talking about. I'm excited about the things I have to show and, I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, well, we've got some um, surprises coming out for that, too, I think, right? Yeah, there's probably going to be a, few, a couple surprises. I don't know what I'm going to release when, but I definitely have several cards up my sleeve, and I just need to decide when to like lay them on the table. But um, some stuff might come out before, but I, or I might hold it all. I don't know. I'm still trying to decide. But, yeah, lots of good stuff is coming, some surprises for sure. Are we, uh, are we still renting a Ferrari? Or, uh, <laughs> no, that would, I, I wish. That would be awesome. When we were going to have it in Chicago, I definitely wanted to do that. But driving in New York is like a little bit more daunting, I think, than Chicago. Even. <laughs> driving a Ferrari, like, stop, go. Yeah, yeah stop. Like, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as fun, I don't think. So. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to wait until next year, I guess, maybe. Laracon EU, Taylor, you come out here, we'll hit over to the Germany and hit the Audubon. That'd be um, awesome. I'm, in, I'm hoping to make it over next sure. year. I really hope you do, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on coming. Like the two, uh, well, if if y'all want me to come, but anyway, uh, the two. I'm trying to kind of focus on the two Laracons as kind of my big conferences for the year because I don't like to travel a ton. So if I just kind of focus on the Laracons, it's just like two big trips a year, and it's uh, kind of nice. Now, how Laravel focused do you think Laracon in the U.S. is? Because I know when we're planning the EU conference, we're not really focusing on Laravel so much as who are the people who would come to Laracon and what do, what would they like to be involved with? And we kind of go from there. And it's more like a PHP conference thrown by the Laravel community, if that makes more sense. Yeah, I would say it definitely has a Laravel focus or emphasis. Um, there are some talks that aren't Laravel specific, um, like Jeremy, uh, I guess it's it's either Lindblom or Lindblom or you'll have to forgive me for the, the name, but he's he works at um, Amazon on the AWS SDK, so that's not a Laravel topic. And then also Sarah uh, Goldman from Facebook will be talking about hip-hop VM. So those two talks aren't really Laravel, but definitely PHP. And then we have uh, probably the majority of the talks will be like real Laravel talks, um, like uh, uh, Jeff and... Uh, I guess Sean, if you're presenting on something uh, Laravel related, do you know what Jeffrey's going to do? Is that when you say Jeff, do you mean Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey Way. He, he told me he, one of his talk ideas was uh, ten things I learned from the Laravel source code, like the, you know, the underlying source. I don't know if he's still sticking with that because it's still pretty early. But um, 
that was his initial uh, proposal. Dale will be speaking about something Laravel related as well. And Chris, what are you speaking on? I can't remember. So it's probably going to be hexagonal ar- architecture, some of the stuff we talked about here. Okay, yeah. I, I think that's hexagonal. Thank you. I, I really hexagonal. need to figure that out because I'm going to have to say it like 20 times on this talk. What are the, op- <laughs> what are the really options? Like, he- hexagonal versus hex- hexagonal? or Hexagonal, yeah. Hex- oh, okay. I don't know. Just whatever. Well, go, go ask okay. a math major. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to talk uh, like something like the ins and outs of Laravel I.O., which talks a little bit about the the app and its place in the community, but also how it's built and some of the architecture decisions there, which I kind of – I've been getting it into place because we're launching this Friday. And yeah. That's oh, gonna dude, be you're launching this Friday? This Friday. Dude, I've, I've been, like, losing sleep, just, like, refreshing my phone constantly, like, when is it launching, when is it launching, so <laughs> – I'm pretty pumped. I have no idea this how Friday. curious you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on like four hours of sleep at night. I keep waking up and checking. No, I'm, oh. I'm excited. That would be cool. It's kind of a big deal because, um, you know, I mean, this is a complete volunteer effort uh, by everybody involved. And I know that we're not, you, you know, because when, when you launch, you, I don't think that you should launch an application when it's ready because then you're just like never done. And... Uh, I'm I'm really happy to launch it because we have the core functionality in place that I think is important. We have a, a functioning forum. We have the ability for people to create their accounts and post articles. It's like it's right, like so a blog. You, can we back up? Yeah. You said you, you didn't want to launch the app when it's ready because you'll never be done. Yeah, like I don't want to wait until everything's like all perfect. Oh, okay. I, I'm with you. Um, Sorry. So there's a, inevitably going to be some bumps where, you know, we really didn't focus group this thing or do any real yeah i mean we have the beta up and we've been getting people to post on it and try it out and we've received like a a lot of positive feedback which i'm a little bit surprised with but i'll take it and uh so nick nick uh spelt the the designer who's working on he's done a lot of code in there too um him and i are working really hard this week to get this done on friday but a lot of what has to happen is the old forms have to be made available on another domain and we have to get really nice 301 redirects to, to go there so that nothing's lost from Google and yeah, kind of inform people and get them ready to say there's going to be somewhat of a jarring little transition here and I'm sorry but I can't just migrate all of your forum threads over to the new forum because yeah. it works differently, it's just different So, gosh man, prepare for prepare for the pitchforks to come out they are going to oh, hate absolutely. me, I'm going to be awful Like, <laughs> if anybody has any respect for me right now remember that because next week it's gone yeah, you're done. You are finished. Yeah, another hot topic in the Laravel community is the pace bucket. Oh, where right. Everybody. <laughs> Seriously, we got people writing in about that when we asked everybody questions. Like, where's the pace bucket? Yeah, uh, I want to I, I wanna bring it back. I'd, I want to. I really do. I, I want to make it like, you know, just full screen, simple pace bucket, dump stuff in there again. But, so uh, can we you had, tell us what happened? Yeah, we had like, we had apparently someone submit, I don't know if it was... I got an email uh, from Linode or Linode. I don't know how to say things, but Linode, our VPS that runs Laravel.com, emailed me and said, hey, we got a report from this bank over in the U.K. They say pace.laravel.com is using to run some kind of, like, phishing scam. People are posting information to it, blah, blah, blah. You need to take this down or we're shutting down the whole server in four hours if you don't respond. And so I was like, oh, crap, it's been, like, three hours. (laughs) And um, so, like, I really quick just, like, put – Facebook it into maintenance mode and email them back and say like, okay, like uh, I took the site down, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like 
this is I'm always having this problem like people paste passwords like I get emails like every couple weeks back when I was running the Facebook like please take my password off the Facebook and I accidentally pasted in like the root password for NASA's space shuttle launcher and I really need it taken down off the Facebook it and so I have to like go in it's like a SQLite database it's not even a real database and like yeah. go shell in and like go into the SQLite console and like issue this query to delete it <laughs> it just sucked so I just took it oh. all down and I don't know. I miss it. Like sometimes I miss it myself, and I'm like, "Gosh, why did I do that?" But <laughs> well, I'm hosting a version now. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesse's hosting a version, and I can't remember if we have a like a domain record up for that. I need to put one up so it just goes to Jesse's version. I, I think that what we're what we're gonna do is um, Laravel IO is gonna have a paste bucket, a uh, paste bin, and it's gonna okay. have um, something else um, that kind of goes with it because we have this help.laravel.io thing that Matt Machuga yeah. like kind of yeah, threw yeah, up. Yeah. But um, I'm thinking that what we can do maybe, Jesse, if you think it's cool, is uh, point something like bin.laravel.io or paste.laravel.io to your app. And then yeah. eventually when we get one, uh, when we build ours for Laravel.io, that's going to interact with the other subsystems and where, where people will actually have the ability to go and remove pastes. Yeah. Um, maybe we kind of just transition to that eventually. But yeah, just migrate it away. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, it, I think it makes sense to get out of Taylor's court anyway because it's not like you know you want to be dealing with... <laughs> People yeah, asking you to remove records and stuff, right? Yeah, that, well, that one's kind of lame. Yeah, for sure. See, I but, just really don't care if somebody wants to send me an email like that or whatever. <laughs> All yeah, right. I, I always actually went in there and removed them too, but like I should have responded and be like, no, it's there for eternity. <laughs> Think before you paste. <laughs> so Rob Clancy writes. Uh, oh gosh. Price <laughs> oh, <there> you <laughs> yourselves. Uh, what will the price of beer be at Laracon? I, so a lot of times we've had some free drinks. I don't, I don't want to say anything um, because I don't know the details. But I, at the past Laracon, I mean y'all, y'all were all there, right? We had free drinks, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, I don't know. I, that's for, a, for a chunk of it. It yeah. doesn't matter. We'll somehow find a way. Yes, for yeah. for a certain allotted amount of time, like during the after party from these hours to these hours, drinks are covered. I think yeah. it's how it worked at Laracon US, and I assume we'd be doing a similar setup. Yeah, I think that worked nicely last time. Okay, he's assuming we're actually going to let him drink anything. Yeah, yeah. that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you guys a question, because I'm kind of curious. How do you guys uh, validate your models? So, like, let's say you have an entity. Uh, this is just off the top of my head, like a post, like a blog post entity. Um, how how do you go about validating those, um, starting from the controller down? Because this is what somebody, uh, I, I guess John, John at CarePilot asked this. Uh, I I use a trait that I wrote that's just sort of like a validatable trait, and then you just pop your rules in as an array on the class, and then do what you need to do. Well, when do you when do you when do you actually validate it from where? Uh, usually right in the controller, or well, actually, recently I've actually just been doing it right on save. Um, I just override the save method somewhere, and then um, pop that in. So. So do you some in your controller? You do something like if whatever save if not whatever save then redirect back with errors. Yeah, yeah. Usually, like, I'll have the validator instance um, held somewhere on that trait, uh, either through a method or something like that. So, yeah, if the save returns false or something like that, then just grab the validator and return it back through the view. What about you, Chris? How do you approach that? I've So I kind of change every time I do it, um, <laughs> which is a shame because in the book I wrote, it's one way. And, you know what I mean, it's when you kind of, like, keep changing, you're, like, testing new things and seeing what it's like. That's kind of a shame. Um, it's also one of the things I get so many questions about, um, cause it's kind of like this hard subject. 
um, which is not to answer the question at all, clearly. Um, <laughs> so my my point of view kind of has been like use cases, and this is slightly towards a domain-driven design kind of viewpoint, but it's like, what's the use case? You know, if I'm updating a blog post, should I have a class that represents the form that, or the action, I should say, that's, you know, updating that? And if I do, which is, it's kind of like the way I've settled on for now, but will probably change. I'll have a class that represents that action, and then that action will have the validator class do the validation, that kind of stuff, return, um, you know, true or false, essentially, if it's if it validates or not. And then you can do, like, say versus update, have different validation rules or the same validation rules, whatever works. Um, the other thing I've played with is um, basically ripped out of Laracast, which is um, the use of exceptions. Um, which, you know, you throw an exception and then catch it and, um, you know, just make sure you catch the exceptions correctly in the controller. But I kind of, I think I like that, that point of view too. It's sort of a complex topic. You'd think it like, like frameworks yeah. all do this, you know, they take care of this for you. The CRUD stuff, it's still a huge pain in the ass. There's like nowhere yeah. at the TD or the yeah, figure yeah. how to do it. How do you do it, Taylor? Uh, on some stuff, I just do like the most plain way possible and do validator make right there in the controller, validate it all and redirect if it fails. Um, in snappy, it's a little bit more complex because it's just a lot more complex app. So, um, we tend to have it in more centralized locations rather than in the controller. Um, I can't remember exactly where we have some of that validation stuff, but it's buried deeper into some of the model stuff. Um, I think that trade idea that Jesse mentioned is pretty cool. Like, I should probably get that code from him because that sounds pretty nice. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think I have it on just somewhere. I can get cool. it to you anyways. Yeah, a lot of times I find myself just doing validator make right in the controller if it's something that's simple. Um, what I'm doing on Laravel.io is kind of um, I have these CRUD services, kind of I guess that's what I call them. But the idea is like, let's say you're, you're creating a forum thread in the the get action for that. I'll, I'll show the, uh, create a thread form and everything. And then in the post, I'll take the input and I'll pass it through into this class, uh, thread creator. And basically in that class, uh, I can pass an optional parameter for an additional validator. Then in that class, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to make the thread. I'll piece it together, tie it to the user, etc. And then, uh, I'll just, Check if the the model saves because, like, I do what Jesse was saying, which is override the save uh, method in the base class, the eloquent base class that I use. And so, if it fails, I just pop back a, a failure. But what what's kind of nice is I can pass in that extra validator. So I'll make a new class that's called like thread form, and it it's just a, a class that extends the validator, and inside it has the validation rules. And then I can just instantiate that, uh, an object, uh, from that class and pass it in. So that way I can, if I want to, validate a form and then separately validate the model. Um, so mm. that, that's You can do I'm both. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's cool. Now, in your, in your thread, you said you make a thread creator class? Yeah. So do you have, like, a method on there that you, like, you call statically, or are you just, like, constructor returns whatever you need? Uh, yeah, the constructor uh, just brings in any dependencies I have, like the repository. Yep. Um, and then the I have a create method, and you just pass in, okay. you know, um, you pass in an object that is a listener. So it's going to listen for 
the events like uh, thread creation failed, thread created, and like the thread created event will it's not actually like a, a Laravel event. It's just calling it on that that uh, object. So if I pass in in my thread, this is kind of complicated talk over the thing. So I, I'm kind yeah. of learning what not to talk about on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, I pass in the controller itself to the creator, and yeah, that okay. way. Uh, I can have the, a method called thread created in my controller and it'll just return a redirect somewhere and the thread itself is passed in as a argument to that method or I'll have thread creation failed and the errors are passed in and it'll just redirect back with errors, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. So pretty cool. I, I like it a lot because if I'm, you know, if I want, I need to create something with an artisan command, for example, let's say I need to write a migration script that migrates from the old way I wrote the form to the new way. I can just create a little artisan command that uh, does all the same stuff that the controller would do, but there's none of that logic in the controller. It's all in those creator and updater and deleter classes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, which yeah, is nice. I like that. That's sort of where I was going with that um, form action idea also. Yeah, it's... it's uh, the additional service layer is really nice for me. It's not something that I do in in all of my apps, but it's definitely something that I've started doing in my super massive CMS because just the... I just need to take care of the logic differently. It's just too much. Um, and I'm also doing it with Laravel.io because I think that it's a really uh, easy way to manage all these things. And I, I'm looking forward to uh, managing this application with the community. But at the same time, it's not like my job to build this thing. So I need to, to keep make it easy to work with. So um, Taylor, Dan Syme from Cardlist, he's asking, will we see a solid LTS cycle at all? Because I, I can understand Cardless as a middleware developer uh, would kind of want to know this. Mm. I don't know. It depends. Uh, it depends how you define LTS. You know what I mean? Like, does he mean backport all new features onto old versions? Does he mean just like security updates or what? But if it's just like security updates, usually we do maintain that for a while. Um, we've even done some stuff on Laravel three not too long ago and um i assume we'll continue to do that for laravel 4 but i haven't really thought about any kind of like formal lts document or like proposal or anything um that's something like third parties do in other environments sometimes um, i know i've mentioned like rails lts is maintained by a separate company and they charge for it and all that, and uh, so I don't know. I haven't really thought about it myself, though. Just yeah. a short answer. Yeah, I think we talked about this like on the last episode as well. Yeah, yeah, I can see some value in it for some people, you know. But it's I almost know. just like it's almost just like a, like a promise. It's like, uh, what does it really mean? Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, it's more like an honor system. Like, we'll try not to screw you over. And I think we. I mean, I've tried to do that definitely on security stuff for sure. I always try to go back and do that if at all possible. Um, but yeah, I think I'd have to know like what people mean specifically by LTS. Yeah. Definitions. Yeah. And that's, to me, that seems more of like, I mean, to do that properly, you're going to have to spin up almost like a company for it. Yeah. Or at least a, like an official, you know, yeah. bunch of guys who are going to be committed to providing support and stuff. Yeah. yeah so. I think like, power. When you have sim we have a framework like Symphony, which does have an LTS, um, and I don't know how they define LTS. That would be interesting. But Symphony is kind of 
I mean, it kind of has this big entity behind it, Incencio Labs, which has 50 to 100 employees or something like that. I mean, it's a pretty big company. And so they have quite a bit more manpower, I think, and honestly, a lot, probably a lot of clients running Symphony. So, like, I think it's it makes sense for them to do the LTS and they can actually do it. But when you have, like, limited programmer resources and time resources like Laravel, which is more of like a, of a um, pure, like, volunteer community project, it's a little bit tougher to do. So, um, kind of back on the the thing where we're talking about uh, the PHP community and kind of some of the drama. There's there's been a little bit about whether you know you should be anti framework or pro framework, or people are trying to define what a framework is, and, and they're kind yeah. of going all over the place, and nobody's really sure yeah. what's happening. And I, I, I see it as kind of like a growing pain, like. Uh, a lot of people are just kind of getting a little bit confused and they want to have a clear, concise answer, but nobody really yeah. has one. There isn't Gosh, one. I, feel so, I feel so opinionated about this. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I, I think it's kind of strange because um, it feels like the, some of the things, that some of the strengths that we have in our community are I wouldn't want them to go away in exchange for just being a part of a greater PHP community alone. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're, we're part of the greater PHP community, and, and we interact with these people, and, and that's fine. But the thing is, when when you have a like a smaller uh, community, there's room for people to jump in and be useful. There's there's room for people to kind of grow and um, new roles that may be taken in the greater PHP community, but somebody else can have that role and, and use that role to grow themselves as well. I really think that when you have these like granular little communities, it, it gives people a chance to kind of take part in something that they actually have a real uh, real input into, unlike maybe, you know, if I tried to walk into the greater PHP community and, and say, hey, let's do this way, nobody's really going to care because I'm not really anybody, but, yeah. you know, maybe in, in if I'm in the... Laravel community or, or whatever community, I can say, hey, uh, what if I put some work into this? And people are like, cool, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've definitely experienced that. Um, like sort of a, probably a year and a half ago, about the time I discovered Laravel and Fuel and all that stuff, I tried to get into the, like sort of the greater PHP community. And it was, it was difficult because there's, you know, there's no one place to go. There's no, you know, one set of people to talk to. I sort of found myself in, you know, six or seven different IRC channels trying to talk to all kinds of different people going like, wow, this is not productive. Um, and then settled on the Laravel community. And now, like you said, it's, it's allowed me to grow as a person and meet some new people and really get embedded and do something that I feel is actually impactful, which is nice. So. On a related note, what game show do you think is, would be the most fun to play with other programmers? Like a, like a programming Laravel related Jeopardy or like a Family Feud type situation. Do you have any ideas on this? Hmm. I feel like Jeopardy would turn into a fight because <laughs> people would people would start like you know uh, talking about whether the facts are real or you know <laughs> if, if anything's left open for interpretation. That sounds great. What was that old Nintendo show where it was, or not Nintendo, Nickelodeon show where it was like they had like the aggro crag? Oh, Remember that was that? awesome, yeah. Nickelodeon um, Guts or something, something like that? that. <laughs> was it Guts? Guts? Yeah, then uh, you also Guts. have the Legend of the Hidden Temple or something like that? Oh my, yeah. Oh Guts man. Guts had the slime. Uh, who was Double, was, that was Double Dare. Double Dare. Yeah, Summers. Yeah, the aggro crag though, that was like, 
That was something. Yeah, I, I would like to. Ha- I would like to have that at Laracon. Okay, but we can't. We can't make that. Okay. Yeah, but Jeopardy would be fun. It's. Uh, I don't know. Something different. Because um, more interesting. We're working on something kind of uh, different for Laracon EU, and uh, our, our goal is to. Uh, give people a chance to play together and to to do cool stuff together, so that when they're going through yeah. the the conference, they have those like meaningful relationships, uh, people to share the conference with. Yeah. Um, and so what we're looking at doing is a community day before the two day conference. So we're looking at doing a full two day conference, and these things can change. But um, you know, we have a, a a core group of like five or six people who show up to plan, help plan Laracon EU uh, every couple weeks or so. And uh, so we came up with the idea of a community day, which is like a, a lower cost ticket day where more people can come, like people in the local area, like Amsterdam and surrounding areas. But um, where you know, it's just not it's not as nice. Like we don't we're not a BIM house. We don't have the nice catering and all that stuff. But the goal is to give people maybe like new speakers uh, chances to talk. Uh, you know, maybe a bunch of lightning talks. We're toying with the idea of giving people a chance to sign up for lightning talks, and uh, whichever person has the talk that people kind of voted up the most, they talk during the two-day conference uh, at BIM House. Mm, that's kind of interesting. And uh, so, you know, I'm thinking, uh, we really like the idea of doing trivia and doing, you know, like I heard somebody had a really cool idea with Family Feud. And, yeah. uh, but where he did a survey with all these, uh, developers and asked them questions. Cause Family Feud, it's like you can't, you're not wrong. You're just, you know, it's about people's opinions. It's about what other people answered. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Those are cool ideas, though. I like that. That's a cool idea with like the top rated lightning talk getting into like the main talks. It's kind of interesting. Uh, we're actually going to have a website up within a month. Oh, Thanks. awesome. And uh, it'll give people a little bit of information about when the dates are and that kind of thing. And we'll start selling tickets and get a uh, call for speakers and everything. And it's going to be really how cool. How soon? How soon what? Or when do you think the conference will be? End of August. Okay. Same time as last year type thing? Uh, that's my guess. Um, we are in fi- like final negotiations with ven- the venue and everything. Uh, not really negotiations, just planning. Cool. And yeah, it looks like it's going to be the end of August. And uh, we have a lot of relationships that we've created from running the first one, and it's really going to help us focus on, you know, refining the conference and bringing some new stuff into. So I'm I'm really excited about the like lightning talk type stuff and about having a full two days instead of just a day and a half, which is what we had last year. Hey Taylor, is uh, Laracon US two full days? Yeah, two full days. So you you guys did the the day and a half last year, right? Yeah, we did, but we're upping the awesome sauce this year. Two right. full days. <laughs> is there is there going to be lightning talks at the U.S. Or, or? Uh, we I'll have to look at the schedule. I think we might have a space blocked off for that, but um, I know we're aiming for about twelve or thirteen speakers. Um, I can't remember how many were at the first one, but uh, let me pull up the schedule here. I've actually got it. Let's see. Let's see. Talk one, talk two. Yeah, we're looking. Uh, we're looking at thirteen speakers, and we also have a spot for um, probably a few lightning talks as well. And we have a spot marked off for prizes. There will be some prizes. Make the okay. prizes fun. Like, don't do them. Don't do what I did, which is just say, "Hey, here's your prize," and it was just awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna. I think we're gonna have some pretty decent prizes. Um, I tossed out the idea of like an iPad Mini or 
or uh, something like that. So should be cool. I think they should shoot out of the gun, like a T-shirt. An iPad <laughs> mini gun. Just bust against the wall. <laughs> if, if it can't be shot out of a gun. <laughs> just just let the winner shoot the iPad mini gun. Yeah. Oh, man. That'd be awesome. But yeah, like we kind of toyed with the idea because I really didn't like how uh, at Laracon E last time I just kind of said, you know, uh, we pulled this name out of the hat, you get this thing. I, I think it'd be more fun yeah. to say, hey, here's a trivia type question, you know, because you know if you're sitting there for two days and you're listening to a lot of talks and everything, you can get kind of sedentary, you know, kind of your yeah. body kind of slows down and kind of gets tired and everything. I think it'd be fun to have something to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, that could be cool. Okay, so we're kind of getting close on time. Does anybody have anything they want to bring up? Were there any other interesting questions or anything? That's a good question. See, like, you have to tell me what, what's interesting to you. So a lot of these are, like, screencast ideas more than just, like, podcast mm -hmm. questions. Mm -hmm. Like, show me how to write this thing. Um, so uh, okay. uh, they're, they're good questions, but it's like, give me opcode cache tips for PHP 5.5+. Mm. Um, which is, like I said, it's a good question, but I, I don't know how we could talk about that. Yeah, we can't turn it into a lively discussion. There's one, um, Matt Stauffer, I think is his last name, um, in the off-topic was talking a little bit about, like, uh, getting Laravel um, up and talking to other services and sort of other front-end frameworks and stuff like that, like Iron and using the queues yeah. and stuff like that, but that's that's some interesting stuff there. Yeah, I've been using Iron on a project here recently, and it's they've improved uh, some of their stuff quite a bit. Like in their in their HUD interface now, you can actually view like the messages sitting in the queue, which you couldn't do that before, and um, that's pretty handy. So I'm kind of digging it so far. Yeah, and I think uh, was it Zach Kitzmiller was working on uh, like a Go consumer for uh, yeah, the Laravel yeah. listener. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wrote a Go consumer for like consuming Laravel queue messages. It's kind of neat. I think yeah, so that. There's, oh, sorry, some, there's some some other languages that you you know we can start looking at uh, getting providers up for and, and stuff like that too. Yeah, it's kind of a cool idea to have those. Someone like someone does those on GitHub. It's kind of handy because some tasks are just like easier in another language for whatever reason. Maybe there's like a better library or a or better different team or something. wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah Zach, sure. I think Zach uh, may be on the next podcast actually. Oh, cool. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, I'm actually trying to get a composer rewrite going in Go right now, but that's <laughs> lost a lot of steam. <laughs> I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, got some, I've got some of the marshalling done. The, the JSON schema actually is mind-blowing. Um, yeah. The, the amount of stuff to, that's in there. The trick to getting composer to go fast is just never composer update. Just always composer install. <laughs> Yeah, actually, uh, using HHVM has sped it up considerably a lot across uh, most of the boxes that I'm on. But yeah. yeah. I've yeah, installed definitely. that just just to Composer install. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <Yeah. laughs> so what's that like? I, I haven't messed with it at all. How how do you interact with HHVM and just to do Composer? It's, it's like a almost drop-in replacement for PHP. Which is a binary? I've, I've, yeah, I've sim-linked it to PHP. So like I, I just mm -hmm. used HHVM instead of PHP before. Yeah, have you um, have you run into any issues? Because I know, I mean, the, all the tests pass on hip hop. I get weird error messages that don't really make sense. Um, me not being a computer science backgrounded person, some some of them don't make sense. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of harder to get the errors. Oh, yeah? I've, yeah, I've had some timeout issues um, with mm. Composer. Like, it just takes a while sometimes to resolve, and I don't know whether that's mm. HHVM in particular or something I'm doing on Arch Linux, or I'm not sure. I've had... Yeah. Um, do you have Nginx in front of it? Um, no, I don't believe so. All right, because right, um, that's the only way I actually set up I've done, so it didn't handle any static file stuff. It was purely just PHP, so I'm wondering if that's related. Could hmm. be, yeah. Taylor, one more question. Um, so here, somebody asks, "What's going on with the Laravel expansions, and when will mm-hmm. we when will we know more?" Uh, I, I think the the reason I bring this up is because I think a lot of people have heard the, the term Laravel expansions and they just have no idea what it is. Maybe you just yeah. kind of define it for yeah. us. Yeah, the idea of Laravel expansions are basically like Laravel components that are not in the core by default, but are um, something you can opt into just by including them in your composer.json and they are a little bit separate from like just community packages by the fact that like um, I built them, I maintain them, like they're documented along with all the other official Laravel stuff. They like integrate really nicely with all the Laravel um, code and uh, they're components that solve like a lot of people's problems but aren't quite um, like generic enough, I guess, to be in the core. So uh, the first one I just used on a project, or I've been using on a project, and it's been really slick, and it's been a good real-world test to kind of iron out a few things with it and get things just right. But um, I might release it before Laracon and uh, probably have more info on that soon. But it's going to be some cool stuff. So more info between now and May. Yeah, there will be more info, but the gist of it is that um, from the beginning, like from the, almost the beginning of Laravel, we've had this idea where like, wouldn't it be cool if um, there were some stuff that was opt-in, like opt-in packages, like a one that got thrown around a few years ago back when like Mongo seemed to be like a lot hotter than it is now, like since it's gotten like some bad press, but a lot of people always wanted like an opt-in Mongo package or something like that. And that's, that's not one of the packages I'm working on, but that's just an example, like stuff that isn't necessarily belonging in the core, but it's still cool stuff that a lot of people can use. And I want to like officially document them and support them and maintain them. We could move the HTML stuff into that probably. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think, I don't know if there's anybody on, uh, on the call today that is super, uh, zealous about keeping HTML in the core. Yeah. yeah. In? No. <laughs> I don't use it. No, I don't use it very much. Yeah, I just don't find myself using it. I like I like the form stuff because I like how it manages the the three states that a form can be in. Uh, yeah. But when it comes to actually just using the HTML stuff, like HTML colon colon link type stuff, I, I don't do any of that. Yeah, I don't do that either. I see a lot of actual like uh, forum posts and sort of support requests around that stuff too, which just sort of boggles yes. my mind because I know you know people are trying to pass like complex objects into these creators and it's just like yeah, why like not deep, why not just relationships HTML? yeah mm-hmm. yep so well there we you probably go have like, I think we probably have about 8 or 9 issue or pull requests open just about relationships and the form builder and it's always just like so hairy I don't know it's just tough yeah. to well and you yeah. can't do it right for everyone so it's like give me check boxes for the relationship IDs or something like that. I mean, yeah. 
I'm sorry, you're just probably going to have to loop through those yourself. All right. Well, um, I think we're at time, and I know you guys, uh, it's the middle of your day, and you probably are getting paid for doing work, so I should probably let you go. But uh, very, very happy to have you guys all on today. Yeah, right, thanks, man. See you. See ya.